Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. On this program, I want to ask you a hugely important question. Are you a Christian? Some people say, well, yes, I am, because I've been baptized. Or, well, yeah, I went through confirmation. I'm a Christian. Or, I'm, I'm a member of the church. I go to church, so I'm a Christian. Or, uh, I prayed the prayer. I asked Jesus into my heart, so I'm a Christian. All those things are good. I hope all of you go to church. I hope you've accepted Christ. I hope you're baptized. But I think you can have all that and still be lost. What I want us to do today is look at Jesus' definition of a Christian. Um, would you take out your Bible? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, and let's discover how Jesus defined a Christian then see if you are one. Matthew chapter 16, let's pray first. Father, we do want to pray for everyone watching this program. If they think they're a Christian, but they're really not, that you would show each one of us today what it is to know you, Lord. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me set this up before I read it. Jesus will die soon. So he's going to prepare the disciples, and he says to his 12 disciples, I'm going to die soon. Peter says, no, you're not, Lord. Not with, his impl implication being, not with me around. And uh, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for your interests are not God's interests on this one. And then he gives the threefold definition of a Christian. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, number one, he must deny himself. Number two, he must take up his cross. And number three, he must follow me. That's Jesus' definition of a Christian. If you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him, then you are a Christian. So what I want to do for this sermon, let's look carefully at each of those three points of what makes you a Christian. Jesus first said, you must deny yourself. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I deny what's best for me? It can't mean that because Jesus is what's best for me. In this life and the next, I think the most selfish people on earth are Christians because we're going after what's best for ourselves in this life and the next. So denying yourself does not mean deny what's best for yourself. Okay, so what does it mean? Well, I think in context, Peter, Jesus is talking to Peter here, and he's saying, Peter, you don't think I should die. God's plan is that I should die. So, Peter, you've got to, got to deny yourself. You've got to deny your way of thinking and submit to God's way of thinking. In other words, Christian, <laughs> you are not entitled to your own opinion. Did you know that? Now and then I'll hear somebody say, well, I'm a Christian, but my loving God would never send anybody to hell. 
Well, that's your opinion. The Bible says, Jesus says, God's going to send people to hell. Or, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't think God would ever condemn two loving gay men who have sex. Well, that's your opinion. The Bible says that's a sin. And when Jesus says you need to deny yourself, he's saying you got to submit your fallen, evil human opinions to the Word of God. Because as a Christian, you are not free to make up your own opinions. You submit to Scripture. You know, can I take a, a minute detour here? I want to talk to you briefly about my struggle with same-sex attraction. Because we hear gay, gay, gay every time you turn on TV, can I give you another point of view that you're not going to hear on The View or on Ellen? Here's my story. I was raised in Omaha. My dad was a football coach. My brother got a scholarship to play football at the University of Nebraska. And then there was me. And I was not effeminate as a kid, but I did not have a strong sense of myself as masculine. When I was a real little boy, I never bonded with dad. We never clicked. And so I never had a strong sense of me being a, a boy and a man because dad was just not there. He was kind of a workaholic. So as I grew up, I ended up with this same-sex attraction thing. Um, and, you, you know, uh, I still struggle with this. Now, by the grace of God, I've been celibate my whole life, but this has been a battle. And so what do I do with this? Well, I can follow the world, man-made opinion, and say, well, God made me this way so I can do this. Or I can submit my fallen human opinions to the word of God and say, no, but the Bible says it's wrong. <laughs> See, um, Again, Christian, you are not entitled to your own opinion. You need to be reading the Bible regularly, daily. I read the Bible, and I hope you're submitting to it. That's what Jesus says to Peter. Uh, you must deny your opinions and, and follow God. And you know what? We're so much healthier when we submit to this book instead of the world. I was interviewed by some radio interviewer and he's, about my same-sex attraction struggle. He says, Pastor Brock, why don't you just go with these feelings? This is who you are. And I said to him, I'm glad I didn't go with them. I'd be dead. You know how many people, I'm 60 years old. You know how many people are not 60 years old because they died 20 years ago because they got into that behavior? It's an unhealthy behavior. You're healthier if you submit to the Word of God. And then there's eternity. I said to the radio interviewer, 1 Corinthians 6 says, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, don't go to heaven. I said to him, I want to go to heaven. That's why I don't go for this. <laughs> My point is this. Whatever your struggle in life is, and every Christian's got something, instead of trying to justify your sin, submit your fallen, evil human opinions to the Word of God, and you'll be much healthier for it. And again, if you're not reading the Bible, start today and read it every day. Jesus said, to follow him, number one, you must deny yourself your own opinions. Second part of the definition, to be a Christian, and take up his cross. Peter was trying to get Jesus to put down his cross. That's not going to happen to you, Lord. And Jesus says, Peter, if you want to be a follower of mine, you have to pick up your cross, which simply means, are you willing to suffer for Christ? Do you understand the Romans crucified thousands of people. It was their version of capital punishment. It was their 
electric chair. So when you picked up your cross, that meant you had to carry your cross to where they were going to crucify you. To pick up your cross means you're going to die. You're, you've got to be willing to suffer. And eventually Peter did. The early church history story is they were going to crucify Peter for preaching the gospel. And he said, I'm not worthy to be killed the way my Lord was. So they crucified Peter upside down. Are you willing to suffer for Christ? When you've got the United States government going after the little sisters of the poor of the Catholic Church, trying to get them to be complicit with abortifacients and contraceptives, I think suffering is coming to America. When you've got bake, uh, this, this couple that had a bakery in Oregon and they refused to do a gay wedding, they had to close their bakery shop. There were, there were some Christian photographers in New Mexico. They wouldn't do a lesbian wedding. Um, they were fined $8,000. We got Christians in certain countries, especially some of the Muslim countries, that are beheaded because they leave Islam for Christianity. So I think it's coming. I had a friend to me say to me years ago, you know, if somebody put a gun to my head and said, curse Christ or die, I'm not sure I wouldn't curse Christ. And I said to her, I'm not sure I wouldn't either. That's why there's something called the Holy Spirit. We need to now be praying, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me be willing to die for you because I can't do this on my own. But let me say one more thing about this. Yes, we suffer for following Christ, but hear this. You suffer more if you don't follow him. We do suffer for following Christ, but if you don't follow him now and for eternity, you'll suffer more. I got a phone call from a pastor from Wisconsin, and he drove in with a young man of his church two hours to come see me. And this young man uh, had a gay boyfriend, and they were lovers, and now they're broken up, and he wants me to talk to this young man. So they, they came to Minneapolis, and I sat down with both of them, and I, I told them, yeah, I know this struggle. And I said to him, you know, my story and stuff. And, uh, and I said to him at the end, I said, you know, I really just want what's best for you. And if you get into this lifestyle, homosexuals tend to die earlier than the general population. Um, and I said to him, then there's eternity. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, you can't live in impenitent sin like that and go to heaven. I, and I said to him, I just want to plead with you. Yes, it's hard to fight this battle with same-sex attraction, but it's harder on you not to fight it. And then they left, and I got an email from the pastor some time ago said, pray for him because he doesn't look like he's ready to repent. I ask you to pray for him. Uh, the, the point here being, yes, we suffer for following Christ but you'll suffer more now and forever if you don't. So here's the definition of a Christian. To be a Christian, Jesus says, number one, you deny yourself. That's not denying what's best for yourself, but denying your opinions and submitting to the Word of God. Second part of the definition is you pick up your cross. That means that you're willing to suffer for Christ. And here's the, the last part of the definition. He would be, my disciple must pick up his cross, deny himself, and third part, follow me. Note there, it's not enough to be baptized, not enough to pray the prayer and ask Jesus into your heart, not enough to be confirmed. The distinction of a Christian is you follow Christ. Now, it doesn't say you follow him perfectly. <laughs> We're not talking perfection here. We all sin in thought, word, and deed daily. But is the, we, we don't talk perfection, but we do talk direction. 
is the direction of your life toward Christ, then, sins and all, you're a Christian. But if there's no evidence that you're following Christ, you're not a Christian. I, I'm a Lutheran. Lutherans are big on the teaching, and this comes right out of the Bible, right out of Ephesians 2, that we're saved by God's grace alone, not by our good works or anything we do. And you ask most people on the street, do you think you're going to heaven? Well, yeah. Why? Well, because I'm a good person, and yet I've got to explain, you're not a good person. You're like me. You're a sinner deserving hell. It's only by grace, by Christ on the cross that we're saved. So I, I wholly believe that. We're saved by grace alone, apart from our good works, which aren't many. Hallelujah. That's true. But I heard something that I've, sh I've shared on this show before, but I'll say it, say it again. I went to a pastor's conference, and the preacher said this, Yes, we are saved by grace alone. Hallelujah. But then he added, But grace never is alone. It always changes your life. So if you say you're a Christian, but there's no evidence of you following Christ in this life, then you're not saved. So again, here is, let's review this, the threefold definition of a Christian. Number one, do you deny yourself? Do you say no to your opinions and do you read the Bible and submit to God's opinions? Number two, are you willing to pick up your cross? Are you willing to suffer for him? And then number three, not are you perfect, but is the direction of your life toward Christ, are you following him? If that's you, then you're a Christian. Let's look at the reward for being a Christian. Verse 25 from Matthew 17, Matthew 16. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, will find it. The reward of being a Christian is you will be saved. What does it mean to be saved? When people come up downtown and say, brother, are you saved? What are, what are they asking? Well, here's, here's a good story. Many years ago, a, a big ocean liner is sailing the, the Atlantic. And one of the tourists' little dog falls overboard. The tourist runs up to the, the captain, uh, stop the ship, my dog threw overboard. And, and, and the captain says, sir, this is one of the biggest ocean liners in the world. The king of Greece is sailing on our ship today. We don't stop this ship for a dog. And the tourist said, what if it was a human? If it was a person, you'd stop the ship, wouldn't you? And the captain said, well, yes, for a person we did. The man jumps overboard, <laughs> gets his dog. They had to stop the ship, and they rescued the man and his dog. That's what it means to be saved. Follow this. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I fell overboard. Our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, jumps down from heaven, comes down to earth, born in the manger, lives on earth, dies on the cross, rises from the dead, catches us and gets us back. If you're willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow him, on the last day you will be saved for eternity. Verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Two of the richest men in America are Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Both of them are agnostics. And I think of, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Last point is verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with the angels and will then repay every man according to his deed, 
Here's the la last lesson today. Judgment day is coming. You know why you're really smart to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Christ? Because judgment day is coming. You know, I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. My parents knew Warren Buffett when he was a young man. And when I discovered years ago that Warren Buffett was using his gazillions to send abortion vacuum machines all over the world so they could do third world abortions, I wrote him a letter. Dear Mr. Buffett, you don't, you don't know me, but I'm a pastor in Minneapolis, and you knew my mom and dad, Tom and Ruth Brock, they were at your wedding, etc. I just want to beg you, don't use your millions to start abortion clinics around the world. Do you want that to be your legacy when you stand before God on Judgment Day? Now, I never heard back from him, but what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and then on Judgment Day to lose your soul? You know, I, I heard a sermon that was very good, and the pastor talked about eternity-denying entertainment. And the point of his sermon was, if you watch television, you would never dream Judgment Day is coming. I mean, TV kind of numbs us into believing all that there is is right here, so go for it. And, and you know, I, I, when I go to nursing homes to visit elderly people, you know what I think the devil has done? Everybody's got a TV in their room, and they're all watching Ellen or The View or Modern Family, these hor horrible shows, and it just kind of feeds you all these lies. Here's people about to step foot into eternity, and the devil's got them watching television this eternity-denying entertainment. So, you know, I just want to urge you, be very careful what you watch on TV. HBO and Showtime are from hell. And, and just, just be very careful what you watch because it, TV does not get you ready for Judgment Day. For the Son of Man is coming in the power of his Father with angels and great glory, and he will render to every man according to his deeds. In other words, on the last day, everybody, the President, Warren Buffett, um, uh, Planned Parenthood, the abortionist, you, me, everybody will be rewarded according to what we have done. Therefore, last point, make sure right now, number one, you're denying yourself. You're submitting your human opinions to the Word of God Make sure you read your Bible daily. Number two, pick up your cross. Be willing to suffer and die for Christ if it should come to that. And then number three, follow him. Not that we're perfect. We still sin uh, daily and thought word indeed. But is the direction of your life toward Christ. Then, he says, you are a Christian. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, does someone need to be baptized and part of a church to be saved? I wouldn't try it without it, Jackie. I mean, we're commanded to be baptized. They bapt the first thing they did in the New Testament when people came to Christ is they were baptized and they were plugged into a church. I get concerned when someone says, I haven't been baptized, I don't go to church, but I'm a Christian. I'm thinking, show me that in the Bible. So I think that those are important things that need to be done. But there are people who never hear the gospel mm -hmm. and aren't baptized. Mm -hmm. And is God you condemning know, them? Jackie, the, the best I can tell you is what Paul says in, 10, in Romans chapter 10. How will they believe if they don't hear? And how will they hear unless we send them the missionaries? So, isn't that sin on us? It, it, is sin on, it is sin on us. However, 
Uh, people who don't hear about Christ, Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and 2 that they know there's a God and because God's put his law on our heart and they've, they've sinned in their heart. So they're in trouble. I think they're in trouble without Christ. Yeah. Okay. Now, you talked about Peter being crucified upside down. Mm -hmm. Do we know that for sure? I mean, is there scripture that... No, there's no scripture on that. It's early church tradition. And it goes way back, so it's, it's, I'm going to guess, Jackie, it's probable. But do we know it for sure? No, because it's not in scripture. Okay. Well, I just wanted to have that mm -hmm. clarified. Mm -hmm. You said we must suffer for Christ. If someone is under persecution and they deny Christ... Will they still be saved? Good question. Jesus said, he who denies me before men, I will deny before my Father in heaven. So can you deny Christ and later ask for forgiveness and be saved? What do you think? I don't know. There are some people that are going through horrible persecution yeah. in some I of know. the countries of the world and love the Lord, yeah. but, but I don't but know they if... But yeah. they fall. And I don't know that I wouldn't yeah, fall. I know. And you know what the good news is? Can you think of somebody who did deny Jesus three times and we know he's in heaven? He's got the keys, according to some religion. And, and uh, so I think Peter blew it, denied Christ three times, but repented and was forgiven, and he's in heaven. I do think there are Christians that have fallen away and then repent and come back. I think they're in heaven. But if you live a life of denying Christ, you're not saved. And, and you know, Jackie, I do hope if persecution comes in my lifetime, I do hope I'd let them pull the trigger before the, I would curse Christ. I really do hope that. How about Judas? Yeah, Judas, the reason he Judas changed. isn't in heaven, he never repented. It said he, 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 was, he was sorry for what he did, but not to the point of repentance where he turned to God for forgiveness. So, so Tom, we've talked about persecution and that. Do you think persecution is going to come to the church in America again? I think it started with, with certain churches that are being uh, persecuted, like the Catholic Church, for not wanting to pay for contraceptives in abortifacients. I think there's an example. Uh, Christians now that are being brought to court because they won't do a gay wedding with their bakery business or their florist business. I think it's starting in America. We ain't seen nothing like they get in Korea, uh, not in North Korea. Do you know that if you're found with the Bible in North Korea, uh, you can be killed for that? that that's a death sentence. And in um, uh, the other bad spots are, I th uh, Syria now is really a bad spot. The Christians are killed in Syria, parts of Egypt, uh, Sudan is a horrible place. Indonesia is rough. Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran. These are uh, Afghanistan. These are places where Christians now are dying. They'll go in. And the, the militant uh, Muslim extremists on Sunday morning will go in and blow up a church, and 30 people are killed. How that about, happens regularly. How about China now? Is it getting better? China is is uh, uh, still persecuting Christians. They are. So it's still going on in China. It's maybe not as bad as it was under Mao. But it's, it's still bad. Okay. Um, some churches teach that we're saved by grace alone, and others teach that we're saved by grace and good works. Which is the right biblical teaching? Well, you want to, uh, Romans 3, Paul says, So we hold that a man is justified, put right with God, by faith, apart from works of the law. So what gets me justified by God is not anything I do, no works of the law, but by faith in Christ. So I want to say we're saved by grace apart from works of the law. So, but like I said, once you're saved by grace, you won't be perfect, but it will change your life. And if there's no change in your life, you haven't been saved by grace. Yeah. So Pastor Brock, biblically, what will Judgment Day be like? 
if you want to tell mm -hmm. somebody what they're going to be facing, yep. where should you Where should you them? go? I, I wrote it down here. The, 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 the chapters you want to read about Judgment Day are Matthew 25, where Jesus talks about Judgment Day, Romans chapter 2, where Paul the Apostle Paul talks about Judgment Day, and then the, uh, John writes the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20 talks about Judgment Day. And basically what happens, Jesus comes down in the clouds, the dead are raised, and then everyone is judged. Those who trust in Christ are saved, those who reject Christ are damned. But then we're judged according to our works, meaning it, it'll be evident by your works whether you follow Christ or not. Okay, Pastor Becker, are we going to be conscious of our sins that everyone is seeing what mm -hmm. they are on yeah. Judgment yeah. Day? Yeah. Some I mean, yeah, some people. I mean, like, we are going to have a big screen television right. you, you showing your You hear so people, so. you know, Jesus did say, you know, uh, everything that is hidden will be revealed. It never says God puts up a big movie screen and shows every single thing I've ever done to, you, to the entire universe. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I believe that when you're sorry for your sins and repent, God wipes it out. The Bible says he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west from us. Well, that's pretty far. And he, he drowns our sins in the bottom of the sea. He casts our sins in the bottom of the sea. Um, so I don't think that will be done on Judgment Day, but it will be, I don't know what he's going to do, it will be abundantly obvious when a person is judged whether they truly trusted in Christ or not. And you know, maybe he'll talk to, about, to me about some things that I was doing that I never even knew were, was wrong, you know. So. Do you think people are really ready to talk face to face to God? I think, I think we'll be on our face. I mean, it, it, you know, when, I, when Christ comes down in the clouds, when we stand before God on Judgment Day, that will be awesome. It'll be wonderful. We'll be saved for eternity through Christ's blood. But I don't think anybody's going to go whistling on their way into Judgment Day. <laughs> okay. So are all Christians rewarded equally on Judgment Day then? Or? They're not. Uh, there's one more chapter to read for Judgment Day, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul talks about two different kinds of Christians. They both are saved because they, they're both building a house. They both have the foundation of Christ. One guy builds with good stuff. One guy builds with bad stuff. Judgment Day comes, fire comes down, tests each, each house. The, the good house, that guy goes into heaven with a reward. The bad house gets burned up, but the man himself is saved, but Paul says only is through fire. In other words, he goes smoking in, but he goes in. But two different rewards on Judgment Day. Okay, one more question and then we'll have to quit. Mm -hmm. um, some teach that the world is going to last forever and be transformed into paradise at the end. Where did this come from and is it true? Well, Jehovah's Witnesses teach that. First Peter chapter 3 says everything's going to be dissolved. So I lean toward First Peter chapter 3. Yeah. Okay, Pastor Brock, do you want to close? And well, everybody pray for our ministry. If the Lord nudges you to help support us, uh, you can do that in a letter or just go to pastorstudy.org where people can support us or you can watch our TV shows for free. If you've got a friend that needs to see this, pastorstudy2s.org. There you go. Thanks and God bless you until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.